And this episode is also brought to you by ACG Walmart Automation. As so many of you continue to implement the things that we teach you guys on the Millionaire Mindsets podcast to grow your active income, we want to take this time to remind you how you can grow your passive income by six figures with ACG Walmart Automation. They are offering a 10% discount to anyone who signs up via the podcast, and most of the clients are seeing multiple five-figure months within the first 180 days. You can reach out to Dawson if you're interested at official underscore Dawson Gantt to schedule a call, or you can listen to episode 121 for more information. Something. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No Deanna, speak that shit that everybody vouching. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary. Still believe in limitations, why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper, I've been chasing greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later in the conversation. We strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments, and sacrificing temporary sh- for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit trying to learn some game xavier gonna talk about it no diana speak that shit that everybody vouching ain't no more excuses valid get up off the couch and get up in your bag to your bank account need an accountant what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the millionaire mindsets podcast i am your host, Xavier, got my co-host, D with me. Hey, everybody. And today, uh, we got another another amazing, dope episode. But before, th- before we start this episode, I want to tell everybody, make sure y'all like, subscribe, and rate, leave a comment on the channel. We greatly, greatly appreciate that. We're trying to get to uh, that one that 1K um, five-star rating. So if everybody could rate it and like it, mm-hmm. like I said, we greatly appreciate it. And as well, for people that want to get into crypto, I officially dropped my crypto uh, currency guide about almost two weeks ago. And if you want to get into it, I cover pretty much everything you need to get started, platforms. I give it like 13 coins I think people should invest in. A lot of them still under $50. $50. So I'm going to put that link in the description as well. If you want to go get that, you can get that today, get started with crypto. And getting started on this episode, today we got a very special guest. Her name is uh, Lane Bradley. She's an entrepreneur and the CEO of Raymond Financial and the Financial Lane. And she's she's going to give a lot of uh, value, a lot of gain. We've been waiting to do this episode. Shout out to Irene, because Irene was like, y'all got to make this happen. So I'm like, absolutely, <laughs> we're going to make it happen. And here we are, we doing it. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, everybody. I'm so happy to be here, you know, talk to you guys about some amazing things that have not been talked about yet because I did my research. <laughs> I'm excited like to be here. I'm excited to uh, be here. See, yeah. I like that. We're already off to an amazing start. I like that when there's new information that hasn't been touched on. So, yeah, yes. we could, yeah, we could, so we could get right into it. So for the people who may not be familiar with you, this may be their first time hearing of you. Do you mind just giving like a background on yourself? 
Yes, absolutely. So, hey, everybody, my name is Elaine Bradley. I am a real estate accountant, grant writer, and speaker. I am here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and my company, Raymond Financial, we help six-figure-plus real estate professionals and nonprofit organizations and small businesses increase their cash flow with five-figure grants. So, yes, that is what we do, and we're all about providing education on how you can get free money from corporations, from mm. the federal government, as well as from your state that you possibly are not looking at. So, yep. Mm-hmm. And that's super important because there's super. so much money out there, especially yeah. in these times. So make sure y'all definitely lock in with this episode because we're going to cover a lot of important information. But um, diving into your career as a real estate accountant, that's something new we haven't had on the show before, like you said. So can you dive into that for us? Um, what is a real estate accountant and what do you do on a daily basis? Okay, so what a real estate accountant is like any other CPA or accountant or EA, but we specialize specifically in real estate. So real estate professionals, real estate investors, uh, real estate brokers, as well as real estate developers. So what we do is with the tax code, there's so many different tax strategies that you can use, but specifically where real estate, it is out of this world. And a lot of people, they will go to an accountant and they will have different properties, they will have different projects, assets in place. And that particular accountant is not specialized in the tax code for real estate. So they give them the bare minimum. So for me, I fell in love with real estate. I'm a real estate investor myself. I realized how much money my clients were making on a real estate side. And I said, you know what? Maybe I need to just dominate this lane, help them save more money on their taxes. And then also they can help me with my investing portion. So when it comes to real estate, the biggest thing is, you know, a lot of investors as well as brokers do not have their books in order. They don't even know half the strategies they can take advantage of. And a lot of people are going around saying that, hey, as long as you write off everything, that's the best strategy for you to have. And that is not true because your net is going to be super, super low. With your net being low, your funding is going to be low as well. And you're not going to be able to qualify for many things. So there's different strategies in place to where it's not only about deductions, but it's about the different tax credits that's in place, especially with COVID-19. And real estate being a very lucrative uh, industry, you want to be able to either educate yourself or find someone who is specialized in that industry when it comes to your taxes to educate you so you can maximize on it. So people are always like, you know, Grant Cardone, he's a real estate investor. He makes so much money, but yet he hardly pays anything in taxes. Well, he has a team of advisors that are specialized in the tax code and know exactly what they need to do to make sure he gets the maximum of his money back. And I feel like with real estate, that's that's essentially what you need to be focused on is You know, you want to get your properties together, you want to get your assets, but you need to find an accountant who is also going to specialize in that industry. For example, I don't touch any clients that are e-commerce, sales, beauty. That's not my thing because I don't know the tax strategies or codes for those specific businesses. My focus is real estate and you got to find someone who has that knowledge and education in the industry that you're in. Oh man, I was I was on mute. I didn't even realize I was on mute. Um, <laughs> but no, that's that's um that's extremely valuable. So do you think um so any anybody involved in real estate, whether especially specifically on the investor side, you think they need to hire a real estate accountant, no matter absolutely, okay. uh, absolutely. I think so because what you will see is people will always say like say for example if I'm talking about different tax code strategies on Twitter. I will always hear, hey, my accountant don't talk to me about that. You know, where can I get that information? And I let them know like, hey, 
honestly is not your accountant's fault. They're not focused on these real estate strategies because they have a, other clients that are in other industries. So their focus is on different clients, so different industries. So they can't solely focus on real estate because they might have someone in construction. They may have someone who has an online business, you know, so they have to focus on sales tax. They may have someone who has transportation. There's different niche code strategies in the tax code for every industry. So it's going to be hard for them to not only continue with their education, but also be consistent in getting that information to you. So when I'm talking about accounting and tax, specifically tax planning, it is to real estate professionals because that I know that's my lane. So I tell them like, hey, we can, you know, go over some things, but I never want them to like, you know, leave their accountant because something else looks, you know, pretty on the other side. I let them know to have that conversation with their accountant, like, hey, you know, what do you know about this specific strategy? You know, how can we, you know, get this, you know, relationship better to where I'm saving more because essentially as an accountant, that is your job to save your client the most amount of money. Like you don't want, you don't want to have your client paying hardly anything to the IRS because then they're right. going to complain every single year. Like, you know, I'm in business, I'm making all this money, but I'm giving the IRS almost half. Like, but you keep telling me that that's just how it is. You know, that's how it is to be in business. You know, you got to give IRS all your money. And that's not, that's not true. The tax code was made for business owners and investors. It was not made for employees. So that's why as a business owner, as an investor, you have to take advantage of it and you have to find someone who is educated and continuously educates themselves on it. Wow. Or you're gonna, it's going to be detrimental to you if you don't. That, you just made a lot of uh, great points. And because we, we, we talked about CPAs before, but we never talked about finding a CPA that specifically fits to your needs. Because even mm -hmm. like, I remember the first time uh, Deanna and I got a CPA when we was out in Cali, I remember it was a, it was like a bad experience. Like he didn't do any, it was, a, it was, it was yeah. really much benefits, but I think it's because of what you just said, like we didn't find one specifically for our needs. I think he was used to dealing with people like just nine or fivers and stuff like that. So he couldn't get us exactly what we was looking for. But now like looking back on it, I realized it wasn't even really just all on him. We needed to find somebody that could identify oh, yeah. that was an expertise and what we doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I even talked about that today as far as a lot of people just don't ask the right questions when it right. comes to what they're looking for, because honestly, they really don't know. So a couple of questions that I have told people that they should ask when they're interviewing people, because an accountant is interviewing you to make sure that you are right fit for their firm. And then you should also be interviewing the accountant. So you should be asking them how much experience do they have? Do they continue their education? How do they feel about the new tax laws that are in place? How do you feel about the new administration in place and, you know, the changes that Biden is trying to make to the tax code? You know, what other uh, deferments as well as tax code strategies have they put in place for other clients? Do they have public testimonies from other clients? Like people don't ask those type of questions. Right. They just go off of honestly clout. You know, if you find someone who is popular right. on social media and they have a whole lot of followers and they, you know, talk about some basic stuff like, hey, you know, just put your kids, hire your kids for $12,000 a year, <laughs> and then that's a good tax code strategy. Everyone's talking about the same thing. So it's like, oh, let me do that. But do you even have enough money in your revenue for the year to even hire your kids? Is that a good strategy for you? Or are you just taking the information that you saw on Twitter or saw on Instagram? Mm. So what I tell people is that specific strategy may not be for you. Everything has to be customized. My business is different from your business. We can make different amounts of money. You know, we can have different life situations. Our business goals could be different as well. 
everything is not going to be a one size fits all. So you have to find someone who is going to fit into not only what you have going on currently, but also strategize for the goals you have in the next year. You know, right now is the best time to start tax planning. Tax season is over. People will come and say, hey, you know, we're in February. I'm about to file my taxes. You know, how can I save the most amount of money? It's kind of too late. <laughs> you should have been doing that from like April to December. You should have been strategizing, implementing. By the time tax season comes, you're ready to go. And people don't know that because they're so used to just, you know, tax preparation. There's a, the most important side is the planning side. You plan, you implement, you get it done. So that way you know how much, you know, if you have to pay $20,000, $50,000, you are already prepared. You already know that you maximize on everything you could and you're prepared to pay that instead of having to complain in April, like, oh, tax day is here. I got to pay $50,000, you know, it's not fair. Honestly, because you don't know, you don't know why you got to pay $50,000. And what I've noticed is you file your taxes, nobody knows what's on the forms, they can't explain it, and they don't even know how to read it. You know, right. they file your taxes, they get the forms, and they don't even know what their AGI is, how much taxes they had to pay, or the credits that they qualify for, or why they got that credit. They just know I got a refund or I didn't get a refund. And that's not fair to the consumer. You constantly have to educate yourself. You have to do your due diligence. And if you don't know the information, you got to find someone who is specialized in the, in the information to help you. Or you're not going to be successful eventually. Like the success looks good because of the money, but not if you're dishing it out every year. Not if you, right. Not if you're giving <laughs> almost all of it away back. So Yes, you exactly. You're right about that. What do you say to people? Because I know there will probably be some people that hear this. They may have businesses or they may be investors or whatever. But mm -hmm. in their minds, they may not think, they're making enough money to need an account or anything like that. What do you say to people like that? So what I say is you at least want to get a bookkeeper. Mm. As a lot of business owners, even if they don't need an accountant or even if they don't feel like they need to tax plan yet, you still need to at least get your finances in order because you can say I'm, I'm successful, but if you don't even know how much money you have coming in and out, are you really successful? A lot of people have have these businesses and they're like, Hey, you know, I've been making a little bit of money. I'm trying to get a, a loan, you know, to help jump think, help jumpstart things more or to like be able to hire a VA or be able to hire some assistance. They go to the bank and they're like, Hey, I need your business entity paperwork. I need your operating agreement. And I need your, uh, your profit and loss statement year to date. So I need it from last year, your tax returns and year to date. And they're like, I don't know what a profit and loss statement is. What's that? The bank looks at you like you're crazy. So you don't have, yo, you can get that from your accountant. I don't got an accountant. I don't got an accountant. <laughs> Once they hear that, you yeah. can't assist you. You know, good luck with your business. You know, come back when you have all that foundation together because you're asking the bank for money to help jumpstart your business. If you don't even have your finances in order, your reports in order, why are they going to loan you any money? So even if you don't, you can't afford an accountant right now, you have to find a way to afford one. So if you know accountant is going to charge you, let's say $500 to $1,000 a month, you need to figure out how many products you got to sell to be able to get that $1,000 a month. How many yeah. services you got to sell to people to be able to make sure that you get that, uh, make sure you get those funds together. Because if it's two things you're going to need in a business, you're going to need an attorney, you're going to need an accountant. Someone who can protect your business so no one plays funny with you. Because let me tell you, these businesses out here, they have amazing ideas amazing content is not protected it's not it's, it's not protected someone steals the shit and next thing you know 
they're mad, they're complaining. You don't have somebody in place who is protecting your asset because your business is supposed to be an asset. You don't have someone in place protecting it. You don't have someone on retainer that's going to be able to do their job and work for you. Then you don't have someone else that's going to protect your money and be able to educate you on what you need to do. Sometimes people are like, let me you know, hire two people. Your budget for your business may not be allocated to hire those two people yet, but your accountant can tell you, let's work on it in six months. This is the goal you need to hit in March. Let's talk about it in July and see if we can hire one person in July and hire another person in October. But you would have never known that if you didn't speak to someone who's looking at your finances. It's not your job to look at it by yourself because your job is to focus on your company. That's your job. Your job is not to be looking at your finances every month like, okay, I think I'm doing good, but I'm not too sure. But I'm just going to wing it. Like, you know, I'm just going to wing it because I'm making it. I, you know, I did it. I quit my job. I got my business. You know, I got clients. I'm doing it. You're not. <laughs> mm. You're not doing it. And I, I think I think a lot of the stuff you touching on is what separates somebody that just has that that calls themselves an entrepreneur or they have a side hustle between mm-hmm. that person that actually has a business and a yes. business owner. I think those are separated because when you have actually and working as a business, as an entity, as an organization, you yes. have those things in place where you're not so worried about the minute details. So because like you said, when you're in the business, some things it's not your job to be worried about. You should have people in places that are working on those things. Yeah. Obviously, you get to oversee it because you need to know what's going absolutely. on. More than, nobody's going to care more than you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you better oversee it. Like you better make sure it's getting done right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not your job to micromanage. Right. Mm-hmm. It's so, definitely not. Something I want to ask you because I know um, for the people who may not be able to afford a full time bookkeeper, what do you think about them using QuickBooks to? manage their um finances and things of that sort do you think that's a good route to take yes absolutely yeah absolutely and the thing the great thing about quickbooks which is why it's my favorite bookkeeping software is they go out their way to make sure that you understand so if you cannot afford someone yet they can teach you how to categorize your books, how to connect your bank accounts, you know, how, how you can reconcile uh, your bank statements and how you can also look over your reports. They'll even go over the reports with you if you don't understand. Like if a bank tells you, hey, we need your balance sheet, but you don't know what a balance sheet is, you can go and contact support on QuickBooks. Where do I find my balance sheet? They'll tell you exactly where to find it what it's about and why it's needed. So you really have to go out of your way to actually do that. The biggest problem is people say they don't have time. I don't have time to go and do that every single month. I don't have time to sit down and talk to somebody about going over my bookkeeping or making sure everything is connected. They will literally get QuickBooks and they will just let us sit there for six months. And when I get them as a client, I'm like, hey, do you have QuickBooks? Are you familiar with it? Yeah, I've been paying about $30 for it every month, but I've, I've never gone in there. I'm like, why not? Like you can literally, you have customer service there that's able to help you every single month if you wanted to. And they're like, I don't have the time. You know, I, I'm trying to, you know, make sure I got my products out. I got to make sure my inventory is good. I'm like, but you don't even know if your money is good. <laughs> like at least find out if your money is good. You got to be consistent at looking at it every single month. I always say like, hey, February is done. In March, look over your books for February. Same thing next month. So April is done. Look over your books in May. But a lot of people don't do that. They just let it straggle along because honestly, they feel like it's boring. It's not important. What people are worried about is their branding. They're worried about their followers and they're worried about how much money is going to come into their account. But if your books ain't good, you really, 
are you really a business owner? Like, are you really a responsible business owner? Because once you get into those sitting at those tables with the people who are making it, you know, they don't worry about those things because they already have a team of people doing it. But before then they were on it. You know, they made sure that, okay, my money is good. I can invest in this. I can invest in that if they couldn't find someone to do it yet. So if you can't find someone to do it, it's okay. There's a software in place to help you. You just have to be consistent in doing it. Yeah, that's, that's very important. And like, like I said, like, we're like you was touching on a lot of people, you know, they may be new to business and they might be thinking like, oh, I'm not at that step yet. But I think, in my opinion, I think the thing is you got to put things in places in place mm-hmm. now to prepare yourself. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to just, just because you're on a small level now, I mean, you got to stay that way forever. Exactly. You can still carry yourself and treat your business like it's a major corporation by just Absolutely. taking the proper steps. I always say before you start a business, you want to make sure that you have your business plan in place because you can have all the ideas up here, but if it's not on paper, it don't count. Right. But it also you want to invest at least taking out two hours out of your day and investing in an attorney who can point you in the right direction. And then you can come back when you do need that attorney. Then you also want to schedule a call with an accountant so they can put you in the right place. There's account accountants out here that will set up your QuickBooks for you, set you up for success and tell you, hey, come back when you make more money. But you need to take the steps and actually talk to these people. Some people, they're just winging it because there's this thing called start the business now, fix it later. Well, by the time you fix it later, there's so many mistakes you've made along the way to talk to the professionals. I don't believe in starting the business now and fixing it later. I believe in talking to a professional first, pointing you in the right direction, and then you get to start it right. So that by the time you make the money from the business, you can go back to that person who's helped you and they can continue to set you up in the right direction for success. Other than that, you're just winging it. And I don't believe in winging anything because once you no. start stuff, <laughs> it don't work out. It does not work out. It never does. And real quick, I wanted you to double back a bit because you were talking about how you should start your tax planning like as soon as possible. Like you should already be planning for the next tax year, like as soon as possible, the year before. So what are some things that you can do um, as far as tax planning to get yourself prepared for that next tax year? Yes. So there's two different types of tax plans. There is your individual taxes and then there is your business taxes. So for your business taxes, You want to make sure and figure out when it comes to tax planning, honestly, you can't do it yourself. You can take a couple of courses, but some things are going to be vague for you. So you actually want to sit down with someone, even if you do not implement with them, at least get an idea of what you should be doing throughout the year. So what they'll do is they'll look at your previous tax return or at your books or your financial statements, and they'll tell you, hey, you know, you are a sole proprietor right now, and you could be saving more money if you are an S-corp or a C-corp. You are uh, uh, S corporation right now, but honestly, that S corporation is killing you. You need to go back and be a partnership. You need to go back and be an LLC because people are like, you know, I need to be a sole. Uh, I need to be an S corp. I need to. I need to be an S corp. No, if you're not making enough money, you don't need to be an S corp. You need to stay over there with the LLCs. Uh, so the accountants will look at different areas in your business and see where you can, you know, save the most money at. Also, there's something called retirement. So you may have a business on the side and you also may have a nine to five. Well, your nine to five may be giving you 2%, 5%, 10% match on your 401k. That 401k investing into that is also going to help your taxes for your business as well as your personal. So that's a retirement. Then there is something called investment. So when it comes to your investments for insurance, you know, hey, if you put 5,000 into this insurance asset, 
this may save you, let's say 5,000, 8,000 next year, uh, but they have to look and see where your money is going to be able to give you those strategies. There's over 300, 500 tax code strategies that a lot of business owners can use is going to be definitely categorized and customized to that person's business. But one of the biggest things is, you know, your insurance, your retirement, your deductions, and now we have these COVID tax law credits as well. So those are things, something that's going to be in place. A lot of it, a lot of them are not for employees. So if you're an employee, I'm sorry, but a lot of those COVID tax law changes are for business owners because they're saying that business owners were the ones that were affected the most by COVID-19. So what they're trying to do is, you know, be able to make up for a lot of lost income. You had somebody before? You go ahead. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'll just make sure because I was about to ask something else. So. Yeah. Uh, as a, I was getting back into real estate. So as a yeah. real estate accountant, like what are some, what are the, what's the biggest mistakes you see real estate investors make like on their reports? The biggest mistakes they make is they try to invest in so many things at one time instead of having an actual strategy or actual goal. So when I'm talking to my clients, uh, nine times out of 10, they're like, I want to be able to get about, let's say Airbnb, I have an Airbnb client. So I'm doing really, really great with this one unit. By next month, I want to inquire like five more. Like, whoa, slow down. You're doing too much. Uh, because right now, you don't have a property manager in place. Uh, you don't have, you don't even have a cleaning company in place that's on retainer to be able to acquire all five of those properties. It's hard for you to even control the one unit you have now. So what I usually tell them that you want to be able to look at what your budget is. So they sometimes don't have a budget. They're like, you know, I'm at the max out this American Express card and I'm gonna pay it back. And that's not, that's not really smart. So number one, you gotta have a budget. Number two, you gotta understand if you're going to be depreciating your assets. Cause a lot of times when real estate investors, they get these properties and it's time to file their taxes, their tax professional doesn't know anything about depreciation. So there's ways that you can lower your tax liability by depreciation. There's cost segregation. And then there's something called your uh, capital gains. So if you are selling your assets, you want to be strategic with how much you're going to be getting back, especially now with Biden trying to change the 1031 exchange. You know, if he does change it, what other strategies do you have in place for you to now move those assets into something else so you can pay less in taxes? But if you don't do that, people will buy properties, they sell it, like fix and flip, they'll sell it. They forget everything about capital gains. Don't know about it. So then, when it's time, they let's say they get a asset, uh, a net of ninety thousand in November. Now you can figure out, okay, where the heck am I going to put this ninety thousand at? Because I'm about to be taxed right now. It's trying to go up to, I believe, thirty nine percent. Yeah, thirty nine, forty percent. So it's like, okay, now I got this capital gains, and I'm I'm happy I made ninety k. But what am I going to do with this? And usually nine times out of 10, they don't have someone in place who can tell them where they can now put that money, you know, where can it now sit safe to where, you know, you want to be able to use it, but you want to be able to be smart about it. Uh, so I tell a lot of them that you got to have a team, you got to at least have one dedicated person you can at least call and that person's going to be on retainer like listen I'm trying to invest into this property, you know what's the best vehicle for me. You want to talk to your attorney about legally, you know, what's going to be the best option for you. And then financially with your taxes, what's going to be the best option for you. So definitely having someone on your team 
looking at all the avenues of capital gains as well as your assets you know, and making sure that you have the proper procedures in place to make sure you can move on to the next one. Don't move too fast. And a lot of people are moving so fast because they see everyone else is profitable. Like, oh, this person just got land. Let me hurry up and get land. That may not be in the goal for you right now. Like, let's slow down a little bit and let's, you know, piggyback and strategize on what this looks like for you in the next year, five years, or even 10 years, because things can definitely change. Mm-hmm. And I love that you use this particular scenario because it's the most common thing I see with our real estate mentees. Like a lot of them, they are so excited. We knock out that first one, but now everybody wants to get go get property number two and three within a matter of months. But it's like, wait a minute, slow down. Like you need to start building up your reserves again. You need to start yeah. actually profiting from this property before you jump into the next thing. But I think the mentality a lot of people have today, like you said, there's so many different things out there. People mm-hmm. want to move quickly. Mm-hmm. They want to get, you know, that huge portfolio of properties, but you haven't done the groundwork yet. And that's yeah, the totally. quickest way to fail. It is the quickest way to fail because there are different tactical strategies for every type of investment. So the way you would strategize an Airbnb is different from someone who's a landlord, is different from someone who has a commercial property, is different from someone who has a tax lien, is different from someone who's buying land. There are different strategies for each one. So for example, as a real estate investor, you when you're investing in real estate, it could be that your particular properties could be on a Schedule C. So if you are an Airbnb uh, investor, everything will be on your Schedule C if you're an LLC. But if you are someone who has buy and hold, and you are holding that you have a landlord, it will be on, you're a landlord and you have a tenant, it will be on a schedule E. And those are two different strategies in place. They're not the same. And what a lot of people do is, oh, I'm a business owner. I have a tenant. Everything goes on a schedule C. And now you could be paying a little bit more because you didn't know. Or someone who has an Airbnb, they're like, okay, I have a property. I'm going to put it on schedule E. And they're like, you could be paying a little bit more because you're doing the wrong one. And it's because a lot of It all goes back to education. You know, you got to be educated on both ends. You got to be educated on how it looks on the liability side uh, with everything being legitimate. You got to look at it at the finance side when it comes to your taxes. It all goes back to education. Uh, I love this conversation, just especially when we talk about like real estate, because I know I talk to people all the time. They always talk about like selling and like Cause I always talk about like just holding on to. It. I'm like just keep it forever. And they be like, mm-hmm. what's the point? I'm like, cause you gotta think of it like this. When you sell, you're just creating a whole another problem. Cause now you got to figure out what you're gonna do with that money that you just got. Yeah, exactly. Cause you first, obviously, you're gonna have to pay taxes, and secondly, you got to figure out what you're gonna do with the money. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's like I look at it as why would I? I could just keep appreciating in value. Keep mm-hmm. if I got tenants, keep getting money every month. They have a whole another problem. Where I gotta pay them a chunk of taxes, figure out how that's going to work and figure out another lane to put this money. Because if it's sitting in your account, nine times out of 10, you know what's going to happen. Over time, it's going to dwindle. Exactly. Absolutely. (laughs) And what people don't think about is they're trying to sell so fast because people are not paying their rent. So they're like, okay, you know, I'm not getting my mortgage payment. You know, I'm not getting my rent payment. They're deferring the payments. You know, the government is deferring the payments, bailing people out. And, you know, I'm going to sell this property because I got to get rid of it. It's it's no longer access to me as a liability. Honestly, you don't have someone strategizing with you. (laughs) You know, you're making rash decisions because you're winging it on your own. I spoke to a landlord 
and he's in California. He has properties in New Jersey. And these properties are the value is over 700,000. It's like, wow. And his tenants are not paying, you know, his, these properties are in South Jersey and he could definitely put them on Airbnb, but his tenants are not paying rent. And he's like, I don't know what to do. I'm not getting my rent more. I'm not getting my rent payments. My mortgage is due every single month. I got to pay it. It's coming out of my own pockets. And I just don't know what to do with those properties. And I'm like, okay, well, let me look at, you know, how your finances look. You know, do you have a property manager in place for them? And he's like, no. I said, well, when's the last time you went to look at the property? He's like, three years ago. That's irresponsible. You don't know what's going on with that property. You're you're on the other side of the country. Like, what has your last accountant said about this? I never had an accountant for the properties because I didn't look at, I didn't look at myself as a business owner. Well, I'm like, when, okay. When you own properties. Yeah, you own properties. You are an investor. I say, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. You're not a business owner. You're an investor now and you have not been properly investing in your properties. So I also asked him, hey, so what about your expenses for the property? When it comes to fixing something, do you have receipts for that? Do you, you know, how are you calculating everything? He's like, well, they just tell me something's broken and I send them the money through Cash App and, you know, they pay it. Do you know if it's actually broken? Like, do they send you pictures? Do you have evidence? Because when you're writing these things off, this is some of the things that the IRS will ask you. So what the IRS will ask is what I will ask. So what information do you have in place for these properties? And sometimes people are just winging it because they have an asset. They're like, I'm building wealth. I got my real estate. I'm good. But no, it's, it's more levels to it. You're not done yet. You got to keep going. And it's very sad. I don't know what happened to him though. Uh, we had a wow. conversation. And I guess, you know, those conversations are tough to have. A lot of people, they don't end up liking me after we have the conversation and I don't hear from them again because they don't like what I have to say. They want me to say something different. Like, yes, we got to continue doing this, get you another property. Cause he was talking about, well, I'm trying to get another property. No, we got to fix the problem with this property first. Like you have a problem over here that's burning. We need to be able to take that fire out before we go set something else up. And nobody wants, people want to hear what they want to hear. So when they, don't, when they hear what they don't want to hear, you don't hear from them again. They're going to find someone else who can tell them what they want to hear and then they're going to go and pay that person. So I have not heard from him. So I'm like, good luck. I hope it works out. But usually it's because people want to hear something different, you know? And when you don't tell them that, like a lot of people don't like lawyers for that reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm telling you something you don't want to hear. And they're like, no, I'm going to find somebody who know what they're doing. <laughs> they, not talk, they do know what they're doing. You just don't want to hear what they're telling you. So that's the biggest misconception. And, you know, I love what people are doing when it comes to getting those properties and getting into real estate. But what I will say is no one thinks about the financial side of it, the tax side of it. Like no one asks those questions until it's too late. Like, hey, I owe like, was one person contacted me on LinkedIn. He said, I owe 50,000 in capital gains. What can I do about it? I'm like, it's too late. That was like last year. We're in March. You don't have to pay that. There's nothing you could do. I said, you could have, you know, if we would have strategized, you know, six months ago, you know, we could have came up with a strategy for you, but you got to pay those taxes. There's nothing you can do about it right now. Like if we could have came up with something December 31st, but it's a whole new year. We can't do anything. For the people listening, though, it was so many red flags in that scenario for the new real estate investors. Like, definitely listen closely to everything you just said. That was crazy. 
Yeah, it is crazy. It's it's so many horror stories and people always come to me after the fact. Like they don't come to me before when they're going to get started. Like one person contacted me and she said, hey, I'm about to invest in some real estate. When should I hire you? Now. Before mm. you sign your name on the line. Now. Let's do it. Because she's going to put everything in her personal name. I was like, whoa. Like, no, let's, let's, let's go back. We got to re-strategize. Don't, don't sign nothing right now. Let's go get an LLC for you. Let's, let's don't put it in your personal. And she didn't know, but if she didn't ask me, she would have just, you know, made a simple mistake that could have been fixed, but it would have been harder to now transfer that asset into an LLC after she put in her personal name. Uh, But I'm happy she did ask me before instead of afterwards. Usually people will ask me afterwards when it's too late and they want you to work a miracle. Uh-huh. I can't work a miracle like it's, it's already <laughs> done you sh- listen I'm not going to jail with you and I'm not going I'm not getting uh fine with the IRS because that's real. you were too late so I tell people no. now <laughs> that's, that, no that's that's real talking about the IRS and, and you you uh you led me right into my next question you on point it was, <laughs> I was gonna ask like so because we gotta we gotta talk about this side of it too like what's the because I feel like so many especially young people like when they knew the business new entrepreneurship, they don't think about this stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? They think like, ain't no, ain't nothing, that, that ain't gonna happen to me. That's what a lot of times people think, oh, that ain't gonna happen to me. So let's talk about like, what's the repercussions of like poor record keeping and poor reporting, not paying taxes? Like what's, what's the repercussions? Okay, so number one, if you don't pay your taxes, so let's go into a scenario. Let's say you have real estate property, right? You don't pay your taxes. You owe about 20000 30000 You just let it sit, let it sit. What the IRS is going to do is they're going to start contacting you via mail. The IRS only contacts you by mail. They will never email you. They will never call you. They will never DM you. They're going to contact you by mail. So you always want to make sure that your address is always current. People get notifications from the IRS and they don't live at that location no more. And they've been sending them mail over and over and over again. They'll, sell you, they'll send you about three to four notices before they start putting a tax lien on your record. Now they will also find out because they do their research that you have property. Now they're going to put a lien on your property because you now owe taxes. So what they'll do is they'll have someone now, usually with the property, they'll send information to the property. Like, Hey, is a lien on this property because the owner owes, let's say $30,000 in taxes. So now the property owner will receive the notice and now they're going to contact a CPA or a tax attorney to now bail them out. And usually that's going to cost you way more because that person's going to charge you anywhere between 15 to 20,000 to take your case. So now you're making, you're spending way more money instead of contacting the IRS and coming up with a payment plan. The IRS will give you a payment plan. All you got to do is call them and say, Hey, I know I owe, but you know, what can you do? What, what can work for me? They're going to look at your income. They may tell you to pay $500 a month, $700 a month, sometimes as low as hundred dollars a month. But if you don't say anything, they will start, you know, giving you some warnings. And after they don't give you warnings, they're going to look and see what assets you have. And they're going to take those assets and they're going to put some liens on them. They'll even try to sell it. Now, if you don't have any property and they audit you because they feel like whatever you're writing off does not make sense with your business. What people don't know is you are telling the IRS what you can write off as far as what is ordinary and necessary for your business. So if I'm saying like, hey, I need to go travel to this place because I speak in this trip is basically a write-off for my business. I'm letting them know if I don't go on this trip, if I don't write this off, I don't make any money. So it has to be, it has to make sense for you to make money. So let's say they audit me 
for the trip. Like, well, we don't believe that this trip was a business trip. Do you have any receipts in place? They're not even gonna ask you, they're gonna ask you for the profit and loss. They're not gonna ask you for no bank statements though, because you can definitely uh, you know, make those things up, but they will ask you for receipts. Receipts do fade, so I always tell people scan them in, store them for at least three years. Now, if you cannot provide the receipt, they can, will go as far as shut down the business. They will shut down your EIN number and you will not be able to do business again until you come up with the fine that they that they give you. Usually it's up to $20,000, sometimes $24,000. So that's why I tell people you want to get your books in place because now, before they were a little lenient, but now with all the fraud that's going on, they don't care. They will shut down your business tomorrow. Like, you know what? You're not even operating as a business owner. You know, we're going to have to shut your business down and they'll send you a notice and they'll say, hey, this business is no longer operating. They'll send a notice to the state and they'll send a notice to your bank to shut down your business bank account. So that's why I tell people the worst that it can get is they will shut down your business and you do not want that. And when you try to open up another EIN number, you're already in the system as deemed. You cannot open up, open up another business until you rectify something, get some sort of legal action, you know, hire an attorney to now uh, represent you. But that is the worst that it can get. Uh, on top of fines, you know, you can pay the fine, and but that's the worst it can get. They can shut down your business. Man, that's it. and this is why you got to get your paperwork and your you got to get your paperwork get together. The right people, the right mm -hmm. people on your team, because who the hell want to go through all that? And it's a long process. My first year in business, I got audited. I got randomly audited, and it was over a computer. They audit me for a computer. I'm like, I'm a consulting company. How you audit me for a computer? They asked me. So I sent in the profit and loss. I sent them the actual category and the price for the computer. They said, we want the original receipt. I was like, oh crap. So I had to go through my email, find the receipt and then send it to my attorney. Cause I got scared. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to get me an attorney because I'm not about to go through this whole process by myself. I sent them the receipt. My attorney represented me, represented me, gave them the receipt. Okay, that's all we needed. You're good to go. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, oh my, <laughs> like, are you serious? All you needed was the receipt. We random, we randomly audit new businesses every single year. You're just on the radar. I'm like, I had my LLC, I had my EIN number. Why would you? I could see if I was a sole proprietor, you know, operating under my personal name. And I got all these deductions under my personal name. But they said, you know, we random, we randomly audit people every single year just to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Just to make sure that their record keeping is okay, just to make sure they have their receipts. So they're not trying to fraud, uh, they're not trying to basically scam the system. Right. So I got randomly audited my first year. I was shitting my pants. I was like, I don't know what I'm about to do because I was so scared. But that taught me every time I'm about to buy something for my business, I store it. Like I have mm -hmm. a whole system, I store it. I'm like, cause they're not about to get me again. Like I'm not about to let that happen. But they do that all the time. And people like, you know, I got audited. I'm like, okay, well, you know, we're gonna provide them with the receipts. And they're like, I don't got no receipts. I'm like, okay, do you have some sort of bank? I don't have no bank statements. I was doing everything in cash. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> I'm, like, trouble. What? I'm like, what was you like? What were you selling? Like, I was just selling some, you know, some used clothes. It'd be like something as far as used clothes. You know, like I was selling used clothes, and I started selling more clothes, and I started, you know, getting more clothes from AliExpress, and I started selling them, and then I started going to different shops and selling them, and I was just taking cash. Well, why would you claim that on your taxes? Right. Because I wanted to be able to get a refund. 
Oh, no. Now they audit you. And it's like, especially cash businesses, like they mm-hmm. will tell you how you get your income and you put cash up there, it's a wrap for you. Because they, they know people that's getting their money in cash, they're not going to pay no taxes on it. Nope. They, nope. They know, they, they know, they already know that. Because that's, yeah, you know, they, when you in the cash business, that's what people, a lot of times people think that. They be like, oh shit, like how they going, I didn't know how much I'm getting paid. Don't put it, I'm telling yourself that. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> Don't, don't tell yourself. yourself. And don't that's the same thing when it came to when it came to funding. Like, hey, you know, I'm a cash business. I own a landscaping company. We only accept cash. How can I, you know, qualify for the PPP? You can't. We don't have no evidence. You don't even have like paper receipts or anything. Like if someone's giving you cash, you know, you write them a receipt. No, like how we, they used to do back in the day. They're like, no, I don't got that. You can't apply. Don't even do it to yourself. You're going to put yourself on their radar. Don't even do it. It's not worth it. But some people, they just be telling on themselves. Like, if I know I'm running a cash business, you know, and the IRS don't know about it, I'm not going to tell myself I'm never filing taxes. Oh. <laughs> I'm never filing taxes. Like, you ain't, about to, you ain't about to get me. The one thing, like I always say, I'll be, talk, I'll be making jokes on Twitter. I'll be saying, I don't want no smoke with the IRS, but I'm dead serious. Yes. I don't None. want no smoke with the IRS at all. I need- you don't. Yeah, I don't, not at all. I don't even. I don't even want to play that. I don't even want to. I don't even want to say those. Say that three letters out loud for real. It's like the blank. <laughs> I don't even like for real. I really don't, man. Like I didn't. I didn't. The stories I didn't heard that people went through. The amount of money that I heard. Worst case scenarios that I heard of people going to jail for stuff like that yes. could have that could have easily been addressed. It's like yeah, I, I'm I'm cool. I don't want that problems. I want to do everything by the book because I ain't I ain't trying to deal with none of it. Oh, yeah. I know someone who was fraudulently claiming every a new kid every single year. And the IRS has just been watching them. Like, every single year, they claimed a new kid. Mind you, they were stealing the information. So this is not like your cousin, your sister, your neighbor's daughter. Like, this person was straight up doing identity theft, taking people's dependents and claiming them on their taxes. Been doing it for seven years and then end up getting arrested for it. Like you put yourself on their radar. They were watching you for seven years. They're like, you know, I hope this person like just stops. Like, because we're, <laughs> we're just watching you do this. And people are such risk takers. Like, why would you even think about doing something like that when there's so many different opportunities for you to make money that you feel you got to scan the, that system? Exactly. I can say you scan the Department of Education for your student loans, but the IRS, the IRS they no. enforce the law by Congress. Like they're basically, basically congress's puppet like well the irs got me doing this no that's congress congress enforced the irs to make all these laws make sure they mandate all the laws so it's like why would you put yourself on their radar now this guy's doing 30 30 years to life in federal jail for claiming other people's kids he got 30 country. years 30 years i thought you was gonna say like a year or something no 30 years he got 30 what the? that is crazy 30 years and i know someone else who in california she was uh fraudulently doing other people's taxes illegally which the irs let me tell you they will take snitches all day if you know someone that's operating illegally you better come and tell us because we are definitely going to get them so someone snitched on her she was operating and she was operating her business illegally. She was not supposed to be filing taxes for people. Well, she was. And mind you, she was finagling the numbers. So she was changing the numbers around so they can get the most refund. And the next thing you know, she is having to pay 24000 and she's doing three years of federal jail. 
See, this, this, this is exactly what I said. I don't want those. I don't want them problems. Yep. I don't want the smoke. I'm like, cool. Why? That's crazy. And why? you know what's, what's the what the funniest part about that? The people that I know that've been through situations like that, or to try to do stuff like that, is always for over some petty ass money. It's never like over millions of dollars. It'd be right. like Something worth it. Be like a couple thousand dollars. I'd be like, yo, you doing it? You know how many? Like you said, you know how many ways you can make money out here, and you doing this over a couple thousand dollars, bro? Like, expand your mind. Like, you I feel like life. <laughs> For your what? freedom for, for what freedom for a couple for, for two three four five even ten twenty thousand like bro that ain't worth going that's there, not a bro. lot that's not make that mm-hmm. if you just you be creative and start something yes. or invest in something yes it's definitely not worth it and i tell people i'll be blowing people's minds i'm like they be like how do i know that someone scammed me with my taxes i'm like oh I, all you got to do is look at your tax paperwork and if it's blank then they scammed you they're not licensed because as someone who was licensed by the irs your name is on there your firm is on there your business address is on there your phone number and then we have two things that we have we have our electronic filing identification number that is for the firm comes directly from the irs we got to get fingerprinted so the irs has our fingerprints so they don't play and then the prepared tax identification number so that is your ptin and if you don't see any of that information on your tax returns it's blank that person illegally did your taxes. They are not licensed by the IRS. They went Damn. to TurboTax and they you paid them $500,000 to do your taxes. They went to TurboTax, put all your information in there and they paid $34 to process it and then they gave you your return and call it a day. See, that's that's the gym right that's there. Crazy. So the people that's listening, I hope y'all paying attention. She's Go look at your tax return. Look at your 1040 where it says pay, prepare only. Look at that information. If it's blank, you got scammed. Mm-hmm. Damn! It got scammed. It's, it's, it's cold out here, y'all. Watch us, so funny. <laughs> it's cold out here, man. But this is this is information on a serious note. This is information that people need to know. Like we never went yes. deep onto this topic, so I'm glad we touching on this. Mm-hmm. But I want to make a quick segue because I feel like this is another important topic, and I know people want to talk about. I know I know this is gonna be people's favorite uh, part of the episode yes, to sir. talk about grants and how to yes. make money. People, I know people are gonna love this. So make sure y'all listen, y'all pay attention right now. So getting into grants, like yes. so this just so I'm trying to think of a way to ask this first question is um like how do you research certain grants and get it to get the get to uh be what's the word I'm thinking of? Eligible. So number one is it goes back to your foundation. So people think like it's super easy to win. It is super easy to win if you have a foundation. So number one, there are hardly any grants out there for individuals unless you're going like to college. But if you're looking at business grants, you got to have a creative idea. So I'll give you an example. Let's say I have a finance company and then another company, uh, someone with a, a similar company. So company A does finance and we educate individuals on budgeting. And then company B does the same thing. Thing, uh, but they have a system, they have a program, they have a project, they do, you know, educational uh, aspects on YouTube, like they have way more. So when we are both applying for, let's say Google has a grant and they're like, hey, we're going to give you a grant for a different program on how to educate entrepreneurs on budgeting. And me as company A say, hey, you know, I help individuals budget and we have a call together and we just go over their whole budgeting goals. And then company B says, hey, you know, I have a budgeting program for individuals. And what we do is we do workshops. 
We show them different strategies. We come up with a plan. We have a book in place. We also do different videos on YouTube. And we also make sure that we have like some sort of fundraising aspect to where we'll give away a free budgeting uh, strategy session like once a quarter. What Google is going to say is this idea is really creative with company B. We're going to give them the money. And then company A, you need to do something because everyone's doing the same thing. We don't really want that. So when people are like, you know, how do I win grants? You got to think of a creative program or project in place that's going to help your community or your audience. If you don't have that in place, you are really competing against everyone else with the same business and they're not going to choose you. So it's like, where would you start looking for grants? Number one place that people don't look is your city, your county, and your state. <laughs> and only time people go on their city, county, or state website is when there's a local or natural disaster. You know, they're trying to look at the weather, there's a hurricane, there's a snowstorm, oh, let me see what my state doing, let me see what my county's doing, you know, what different avenues they have in place for me to be protected. But no one ever goes on there to see what funding is available for them. What people don't know is the federal government has a basic budget every single year. That budget is over a billion dollars. What they do is they separate that budget. Every state has a certain amount that they get. Let's say the state gets 10 million. Now your state, what they do is they take that budget and they give a certain percentage to small businesses who are trying to operate. They will not put that information on social media. They will put it on their state website. If you are someone who is a subscriber to their newsletter, you'll be the first one to know. If you're not, you'll never know. So what will happen is since people are not subscribed and people don't look at the information from their state website, there are other people who do, they'll apply for the funding. And since it's not that much of a competition, they'll win. That's exactly what happened to me. I won my very, very, very first business grant. It was $4,000. When I started my business, I was like, okay, I'm not really making any money. Let me see what my county can do for me. You know, I just started researching. So I went to Oslo County grants. <laughs> I'll just type that in. The county website pulled up. I went to the grants tab and it was a small business grant for $4,000. And all I had to do was create a video as to what my business was about and who I was helping. Three months later, they called me and said, I won. I said, what? I, I didn't really do anything. It's like, yeah. So it was only three people that applied for the grant. You and two other businesses. So we just gave it to all of you guys. No one else applied because they didn't know. And what they're going to do is once that, once those funds get exhausted, it just goes away. Like they don't roll it over into the next year. They are on a fiscal year every single month. So the biggest example I can give you is with our governor, Governor Cooper in North Carolina. Last year, the, the fiscal year is from, for grants is from October 1st to September 30th. So September 1st, there was a $250 million grant for North Carolina for small businesses. And they had that big amount because they had that was the money that was left over from their budget. So they had to get rid of it somehow, some way, or they just give it back to the government. They can't like roll it over into the next fiscal year. So what they did was like, hey, I got the email because I'm on the email list. So what I did was I blasted it out on social media like, hey, there's a $250 million grant out for small businesses. They're giving 300 businesses a piece of $250 million for your business. This is how you qualify. No one had their foundation, they didn't have their LLC, they didn't have their financial statements together, you know, they didn't have a business plan, they didn't have a business bank account. So majority of the people I spoke with didn't even qualify. And which is why a lot of people don't win because they don't have a foundation. Not only they don't know where to look, but they don't even have a legitimate business in place. So when people are asking, how can I win a grant? You gotta create the foundation first. 
well, I'm trying to get a grant so I could get a business. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you got to create the business first, create the business plan, create the financial statements. You know, even if you're not making any money, at least have something up there. Like, you know, I didn't make any money yet, but I've been spending $10 a month on G Suite. You know, I've been spending $20 a month on my website hosting. That's still expenses that you have. As long as you have the paperwork, you know, you're good to go. Uh, but the biggest thing is we don't have our foundation together. That's why we're not winning. You know, it's out there, especially now for minority businesses. Like the amount of money they give away for COVID is crazy. <laughs> I was just I was just having this conversation with somebody else. We were talking, well, I don't remember what we were talking about, but I'm like, you do know, like they had specifically, especially for like black women and stuff, like last year. I'm like, you know, they had all like Facebook had a like a four or five thousand, they was giving away like four or five thousand dollars to minority mm-hmm. women that own businesses. And people was applying. I got I that great. Exactly. <laughs> Deanna, she I did too. <laughs> exactly. I did too. Exactly. So it's like, I mean, these days the money is out here. But like, but like you said though, if you don't got that foundation, those things in place, it's gonna be way harder for you to get it though. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's different types of grants available. So people will see like a federal grant for like, you know, over $10 million and say, hey, can I apply for that? And I'm like, listen, federal grants are not really for small businesses. They're catered to nonprofit organizations. So you will see when you look at the description, nonprofit organizations, state officials, if your state officials do get the grant, what they're going to do is now disperse it to small businesses. So what I usually say like, hey, start making connections with your state officials. Start letting them know, hey, the federal government is giving away money for this particular area. You know, our state should be applying for it. You know, we need to be having these conversations, especially if you are in your state and you're like, you know, my state don't do nothing for me. Well, who are you speaking with to make sure they do do something for you? I know I'm at the board meetings, you know, every single meeting and people be like, (laughs) you know, crazy for going to the board meetings. No, I live in this city. I live in this area Mm -hmm. and I know the money is there because I see the budget. You know, it's public information. I see the budget. What the hell are you doing with the money? where is it going to us, the ones that's stimulating the economy? You know, mm-hmm. what are you doing with the money? They don't have people going in there and asking them questions, you know, putting them on blast. Like, listen, I don't know what's going on, but, you know, I, these they're, they're potholes in the street. You know, there are a lot of these stores, you know, they're not getting the funding that they're supposed to get. You know, I know you get a budget every single month. Where's the money going? Is it going to schools? You know, is it going to the stop signs? You know, is it going to small businesses? Or is it going to the banks? Like, which one? which one is it? But we don't know because we don't have these conversations. I'm I'm in there all the time. Like if I have a state official that's in my county and I know that I possibly elected that person to be in charge of what's going on within our city, I'm going to sit there and have a conversation with them. I'm going to show up every single time. I make sure I make time to show up. Now with COVID, you know, we can't go to the actual meetings because of COVID, but there are virtual meetings. Get right on Zoom. <laughs> Get on there. I know with Los Angeles, they did it when uh the police commission police commissioner wanted to know like what the citizens thought about what was going on in the community everyone came out there one by one walked up to that microphone they told them exactly how they felt about their community you guys are doing bs you know we don't know what's going on you treat us like trash you know voice your opinion about what's going on within your county if you feel like your county your city or state is not giving you enough money what are you doing about it are you speaking up or are you complaining I know I'm speaking up. I make sure I be, I make sure I go to those meetings and it sounds crazy. It's like you're going to a PTA meeting, but you know, I have children as well, you know, and I want to make sure that after I'm gone, you know, what is society going to do for my kids? You know, how are they going to be able to live? Of course I'm doing my best to make sure I leave something for them, like leave more than enough, but 
realistically, we're still going to be affected by the laws that happens in our county, uh, our city, and our state. So That's I would tell people, make sure you stay up to date about what's going on. They're like, I don't know where to look. Well, have you been looking at your state? I don't know where to look for my state. Like, get on the state website. Look at everything because it'd be hidden. Like they will purposely hide things. They'll tell their people like, hey, you know, there's a grant out for women. You know, it's coming out next week. You know, you should apply for it. But they're not going to put it on social media because they right. know that's where we're at. We yeah. on social media. You know, we on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. But we're not on that website. We're not in the meetings. You know, we're not doing our due diligence to be educated on what's going on in our community. And they're not going to give you that money if you're not going to be educated. That's that's the biggest thing mm. and you can't the thing about that is because some people might hear that and be like man that's messed up when how i look at it is you can't be mad at them that's how they thinking like we're trying to keep this between ourselves and help our people out so we're not they just they just that's i look at that as like self-preservation on their part we got to just yeah. do our job and figure out like okay like, you gotta be nosy. You gotta be no. You, when it comes to when it comes to money and stuff like that. Yes, absolutely. You, no, you you definitely need to be like have your ear to the ground, know what's going on, be looking around. Like, hey, especially when it comes to budgets that they got that they're supposed to be allocated to the people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You definitely can't be like, oh no, that ain't none of my business. No. Nah. It is your business. Right. You live in the city. You live in the city. You eligible for it, man. You better go after that stuff. So. Uh, is there like a um, limit on how many how many uh, grants you can receive like within a year? No, there's no limit. It's unlimited. It's literally unlimited. The best thing about grants is once you win one, it's like they're obligated, not obligated, but they feel like they're obligated to give you another one because it's like if Facebook gave me a grant, why would not PayPal give me a grant? Why wouldn't Google give me a grant? Because they're going to ask you how many grants have you received and from where mm-hmm. and why. So I'm like, hey, you know, Facebook gave me a grant because I told them about this portion of my business. So now that other company is like, hmm, Facebook gave them a grant. Why wouldn't we give them a grant? Right. Obviously, Facebook sees something that we should see. Now they start looking more into your business. And the great thing about grants is once you win one, if there's another one next year, they're going to be the first you're gonna be the first person in contact. The person, the people that win the grants, they have a different list. Like, hey, there's a grant coming out next week that you guys should apply for before they even put it out to the public. I know I got one for Stacy Rise. It is, I did put it on Twitter, but I'm sending you the link, uh, Deanna, but it's for women <laughs> and it is $10,000. And people are like, well, oh, $10,000 is not a lot of money. It is a lot of money. You a business owner? You know what you can do with $10,000. That's a business yes. owner. $10, that you don't have to pay back either. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a very short application. And it's due on July 9th. But what they're looking for is uh, women-owned businesses. And all you got to do is just talk about your business and what you provide. Super short application. And they're going to be contacting people around October to tell them that they won. But the great thing about it is it's ongoing mentorship. So not only do you get money, wow. but now you can access really their network. So same thing that happened with uh, PayPal. When PayPal had the grant, uh, when PayPal had the grant for, I think it was uh, E. AEO, that's the name of the association. So when everyone won that grant, now every, all those people are in a separate Facebook group where they have different mentoring sessions because I'm in the Facebook group. So they'll have a mentoring session every week about something that's going to help your business, whether it's marketing, whether it's more funding. And what they did, they gave out more funding after that. So we originally won, for me, it was up to 10000 I won $9,000. Then three months later, they say, you know, we feel like a lot of businesses are still struggling with COVID. We're going to give you an extra $2,000. 
you're going to see it in your PayPal account. I was like, are you serious right now? I'm like, this is crazy. But then they also have ongoing mentorship. So they teach you about funding. They're teaching people about their taxes. They're teaching people about how to do marketing, how to do branding. And they have other organizations coming in. They have a relationship with uh, Verizon. So Verizon came in. They have a relationship with Hello Alice and another uh, marketing company, uh, Square. Square came in talking mm. about how to now get your clients to start making payments through Square. And they gave everyone a discount for Square. So instead of it being 2.9, percent that they're taking out, it will be 2.5 or 2.0. So there's many different advantages from winning a grant besides getting the money. Now you have access to people's network. Mm-hmm. And I right. think that that honestly just goes to show there are people out there who want to help you. Like you don't have to be a struggling business owner and, you know, feeling like there's no resources out there. You just have to look around and do the research and apply. Yeah, yeah you got to have the info. You got to have the information. You have to have the information. Yeah. And once you get custom with these corporations, because now if you see the if you see like the energy of what's going on, a lot of corporations are now wanting to help minority owned businesses, whether it's a publicity stunt or not, take advantage of it. Because once one person does it, another person does it. Verizon did it when a lot of people didn't know, but <laughs> Verizon partnered with the NFL and they had a grant for small businesses. They literally blasted it on the day of the Super Bowl. No one knew. Like, no one knew. Ain't nobody. They know people ain't paying attention. And then you have 24 hours to now apply. That's crazy. But you got to stay ready. (laughs) You have Going into um, kind of tying this back into accounting, if you're a business that's getting all these grants and, you know, you're getting this free money, how does that look as far as tax season? Like, do you have to pay taxes on this money? Is this money that has to be reported? No. So when you have these grants, the best thing I tell a lot of businesses, if you're someone who is going to get a lot of grants, you want to get a separate business bank account to put that money into, to put that uh, grant money into that account. So now that money is now tax-free. You do not pay money on it. So for my profit and loss statement, it'll say my income. And then on the top of it, it'll say grant income. So now mm-hmm. that income is not, tax-free. I mean, it's tax-free. So I'm not being taxed on it. It's not a part of my total income that I have to pay. Perfect. Perfect. Man, this has honestly been like so much information. No, it has. I feel like everybody can really benefit from listening to this episode. No, no, see, no, it, they definitely, they, they definitely will. And I want to ask, I had like one final, well, I got two, two questions. Yeah, but, no problem. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. I know you talk about um like uh, on social media, I think I seen you talk about like pretty much having get get to a point where you pretty much can have a like a tax-free lifestyle yes yes so yeah yes i I definitely want to just talk about like like that and like how is that like for the people that's listening they want to know like how is that possible okay so having a tax-free lifestyle what it basically means is every year when it's time to pay taxes you're not worried about it because you're prepared and what i mean by that is for me specifically i for me I tell my I tell my clients they need three accounts. People usually think it's just one, but I tell them they need three. So the first account they need is their operating expenses. So that's where your income is going to go, and that's where all your business expenses is going to go. Your second account that you're going to need is for payroll. So whether you're paying contractors, you're paying yourself, or you're paying your employees, that is where that money is going to be coming from. And then your third account could be your savings account, and that's going to be for your emergency fund, and that's going to be for your taxes. So before you start paying yourself, before you start paying for your expenses, you always want to at least put starting out 10% away for taxes because you just never know. 
the thing about it is the more money you make, the more you can find more strategies on how to pay less taxes. But if you are a small business and you're making about, let's say 50,000 and your expenses are only 40,000 or not 40,000, 25,000 and your net is 25,000, you don't want your net to be super low because you're not gonna be able to take advantage of all the funding that's available. So what we essentially wanna do is be strategic. If you're putting 10% of your income away for taxes, when it's time to pay taxes, it's not like, oh my God, I got to pay $10,000 to the IRS. I got to pay $15,000 to the IRS. The money is already sitting there. It's just the same way as if you were working a nine to five and they already take taxes out of your paycheck. So by the time you go and file for taxes, you don't really owe that much because they're taking the maximum. That's exactly what we're doing for you. We're setting you up with a correct budget to where when it's time to pay taxes, it is a tax-free lifestyle. Like, listen, take your stuff. For me, I paid 24,000 this year for taxes. And when my CPA, cause I have CPA as well. So I'm not about to do my own stuff cause I'm worried about my clients. So when my CPA told me like, hey, you gotta pay 24,000. I was already prepared. I'm like, okay, no problem. Here's your money, here it goes. Cause the way I see it is I rather get my money on the front end. So if I'm making $20,000 a month, you know, I rather make $20,000 a month. And at the end of the year, pay the IRS their money. I already have my money coming to me first. With an employee, their money is going to be coming out their paycheck. So before they even see it, the IRS is going to get theirs. So I have a bigger advantage. So for me, I'm already prepared when it comes to paying the taxes. You know, it always can be, there's always going to be a loophole for you to pay less and less, but it's always going to depend on where the strategies are for that year. Strategies are always going to change, but as long as you're prepared, it should be a no brainer. That's why people were like, hey, you know, I already got the, I got the money in place. Why am I going to complain about paying 10,000 when I've already prepared myself to do it? You know, it's already in my budget. That's why people just be writing checks. Like, okay, I'm just going to write them a check and call it a day. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to do a payment plan. You know, I'm not going to be like, oh my God, the IRS is killing me. You, we're putting money aside for this particular purpose. So that way you can live the life that you want without having to worry about them coming after you. Hmm. Man, that's, that's, that's like that uh uh the Jay-Z I always I always do Jay-Z references on it for whatever reason. He got a bar for everything. But he got on one of the songs, he said, My account's so good, I'm practically living tax free. Yes. I'm like, <laughs> yep, yes, that's exactly it. It's yeah. that's, and that's exactly what I'll be talking about. And people people are always comparing, you know, their business. I know I'm gonna get this question. I know I'm gonna get this question, but they're like you know, how come Amazon pays their own taxes? <laughs> I got to pay taxes. I always get that question. And mm. the reason why is you got to compare your business versus Amazon's business. Number one, Amazon is not just a business. They're also an investor. So they invest yeah. in property. So not only do they invest in property, they are deferring their taxes to be able to invest in property. Then they're also taking advantage of depreciation. They also have a lot of staff. You are as a small business owner, you cannot take advantage of the same strategies that Amazon can take advantage of because you are not providing jobs. If you're not providing jobs, you're not stimulating the economy. The economy yeah. If you're not stimulating the economy, the tax code is not going to work for you. So that is why they get to pay their own taxes. They have over 200,000 employees, employees. They're getting more. They're putting food on people's table. You are selling a product, you may have one VA, one assistant, and you're done. You know, you don't, you're not providing thousands of jobs to people. Uh, That's uh, the biggest difference. Are you stimulating the economy? And if so, how? Mm -hmm. yep. That is how someone pays their own taxes versus someone who pays, you know, uh, $5,000, $10,000. I only got one employee right now. 
I know why I paid twenty four thousand. I'm fine with it. <laughs> like, versus <laughs> someone who's probably a whole another accounting firm who has over a hundred employees, they're gonna pay less taxes than me. Absolutely. And it makes sense. I'm glad you touched on that because I was gonna uh, ask you that as well. But you you broke it down perfectly. And a lot of people, for the people that that may not understood it, you broke it down perfectly because a lot of people they do ask that question all the time. Amazon mm-hmm. ain't paying like yo. You know how many like you said. You know how many lives. How many, how many lives Amazon is affecting with the people they employ? Yes. All the people that throughout the country, throughout the world. Like you can't compare your situation, like just being you real. You can't it's not only just Amazon. There's, there's 91 other companies that pays their own taxes. FedEx, UPS, you know, a, a lot of other companies, not just Amazon. And not only is Amazon giving, you know, jobs to employees, but they're also giving jobs to entrepreneurs. There are people who are selling their products on Amazon, you know, selling their books on Amazon. So it's not just about the employees. They're really, you know, helping everybody. Helping everybody. Mm. So that's that's the biggest difference. I know I'm going to get that question, but yeah. like, do you, do you really want those problems though? Right. I don't want well, exactly. that responsibility. Like, man, man. No, you got to learn how to play the game. Learn the For game, real. learn how to play, you know, learn what kind of player you're going to be and then take advantage of it. I Thanks. know how the economy works. I know how uh, the state works and I know what their games are. You got to learn how to play the game. You yes. won't complain if you know how to play the game. That's a fact. That's a, and I don't even want them. That's another problem. I don't I couldn't imagine having 200,000 employees, man. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, good. I'm, I'm good on that. Yeah, yep. that's... that's <laughs> So salute to him for that dealing, yeah, dealing, exactly. dealing with all that. But this is my final question. So I like doing uh, scenarios and stuff like that. So yes. let's say uh, somebody listens to this and think about starting a business or whatever. They may be an investor or whatever. Like just walk, walk, like walk us through those steps. If you somebody starting from day one, ground zero, before you start you know, making money and all that, what are those steps that you could take to build that solid foundation? I'm so happy you asked me that because I always said when I go live on Instagram, I'll be like, you know, I feel like there should be a class for business owners before they legally start a business. Like it should be like a requirement. I agree. And, but I said, you know, I don't know why I'm complaining about that because why would society do that? They want to see us fail. So I'm like, so why not tell people exactly what they need to do before doing it? Because you will, you will just have just a better result in your success versus trying to wing it. So number one, the first thing you need to do before you think about getting the LLC, before you think about getting a, you know, a corporation or getting a business bank account or EIN number, you want to set up your business plan. You want to set up your business plan. If you are an investor, what kind of investor do you want to be? If you are a business owner, what kind of business owner do you want to be? So let's say, let's, I'll use this as an example because I'm going to do it. Uh, so let's say you want to start a cleaning company. So you start a cleaning company, you want to figure out what kind of cleaning company do you want to be? You want to be residential? Or do you want to be commercial? So now if you want to be residential, who are going to be your target audience? Who are the people that you're going to get this money from? You know, what kind of products are you going to be serving? You want to have everything from your marketing to your mission, to your logo, to your brand colors. You want to have all that mapped out to how much money you want to make in the first six months, how much money you want to make in a year, because you want to do your projections. It'll determine how much clients that you're going to need. And then you're going to go over 
over as far as talking to an attorney about different options for you liability wise when it comes to your insurance, uh, when it comes to what the state requires, any licenses. Then you want to speak to an attorney when it comes to where you're looking at with taxes, because we can always do projections on different scenarios. You know, what if I make 20,000? What if I make 50,000? What if I make 70,000 based on the current tax law? We can always do projections for you, but you got to, you know, take the time to come up with the business plan, speak to those two people first. Once you have a good idea of what that looks like and you are satisfied with the choices that you made as far as where you want to start in your business, you know, what does that look like for you? Then you go to your secretary of state. You can have your lawyer do it if you want to, but you can also do it yourself. You go to your secretary of state. They will tell you, you know, it's best for you to be a C-Corp. It's best for you to be an LLC. With an S-Corp, it's just best for you to be an LLC. Let's just say you want to be an LLC. You will file that LLC paperwork first. You will not get the EIN number first. You will get the LLC paperwork first. And the reason why is the IRS ain't shit. They will give you an EIN number with a similar name that someone else has. You are not legally a business just because you have an EIN number. You just, for tax purposes, that's what an EIN number is for. You are a legal business when you are licensed with your state, which means you have a business license that is your entity paperwork. Once you have that business license from the state, you now get an EIN number. If you do it the other way around, if you're going to go backwards, because what happens is, let's say someone else already has a name in your state. Now you go to your secretary of state and you're like, hey, I want to start ABC cleaning. We already have ABC cleaning. You can't use that. Now you got to go back to the IRS, dissolve that EIN number, get a whole new EIN number because you didn't, you skipped the steps. Once you get the LLC, the EIN number, then you get your business bank account. You cannot go into the bank without having that paperwork. You get the business bank account, you would want to at least leave $500 in there. You know, just in case different fees come out, like just in case you don't make any money, you know, and just in case you apply for something and they want to see how much money is in your account. Save at least 500, put it in there. Now, once you have all that legal jargon out the way, then you start creating your logo. You know, you start creating your website. You start creating your products. People do it backwards. They get the products, the logo, the website, no LLC, no EIN number, no business bank account. They take a payments through Cash App. It's backwards. You can't do that. <laughs> and then if, when you ask them about their business, they like, you know, I sell, I sell shoes. Okay, well, who you sell shoes to? Everybody. Everybody. No, <laughs> you can't sell shoes to everybody. Okay, well, you know, where you sell shoes at? You know, I promote sometimes on Facebook, you know, sometimes on Twitter, but it's slow right now. The reason why it's slow, because you don't know what you're doing. You don't have a plan in place. Mm -hmm. The plan is supposed to help you if you're stuck, you feel like it's not working, you go back to the plan. Let me go back to my plan, see what I did wrong. Let me see if I need to change my audience. What's working? Let me look at market value. Maybe I'm charging, you know, a little bit of money. I need to raise my prices. That is what the plan is for. You cannot create, you cannot have a mansion and you don't have the foundation. People are like, I'm going to make a hundred thousand. I'm going to start this business. It's impossible without the foundation. You're going to find yourself stuck and then you're going to say entrepreneurship is not for me. And it is. <laughs> it is you're not you're not doing the right thing that's the the very first thing is you got to get the business plan and i know people are like you know that's old school who still does business plans you know who accepts business plans grants they'll tell you up on your business plan you know the bank do you have a business plan you want us to give you five thousand dollars but we don't even know if this business is actually going to be profitable like and a business plan will let you know if you don't need to be in business or not maybe this idea is stupid 
And nobody wants to talk about that. Like, you know, I'm a business owner, but you know, maybe my product is not the best. You need to be, you know, you need to be honest with yourself. And someone can also, who is looking at your plan, can be honest with you. Like, listen, this ain't it. It's not that they're a hater, but they're trying to make sure that you don't fail first. Like if I make like these headphones and the headphones smell like mustard and I'm like, this is a good, this is a good product. I'm gonna sell it. And I'm like, no, nobody's going to buy this. Oh man, you a hater. You a hater. You don't want to that's, de- that's definitely what people say no, too. No, I'm being honest with you. That's what people say. <laughs> They did. No. They do say that. Like, they get feedback. No. <laughs> say. They, yeah. people, the people don't know how to deal with constructive criticism. They take everything as an attack. Or like, bro, why would I be hating on you? You ain't even doing shit. But first of all, exactly. like, 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 yeah. So that's yeah, that's that's crazy. But that's it, it, it's very crazy to me. And I'm I tell people that listen, you know, if you cannot take construction critic because constructive constructive criticism <laughs> now then you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it out here. You know, someone told me that, first of all, that's, this is why you got to have a plan. So I had my plan. My last thing on my plan was my business name. Now, my business name is unique because it, it goes back to my culture because I'm Haitian. So people are like, you know, I can't pronounce that. So one of my coaches was like, you know, that name sucks. Like you need to change the name. And I was like, no, I'm not changing the name. Like it's, it's precious to me. That's, this is my baby. That was wrong of me. I didn't have to change it, but I take it personal. And she was right. A lot of people cannot pronounce it. And I could have took that, you know, I could have, you know, explained it more. It could have been, you know, I didn't have to take it so personal. A lot of people, you tell them about their business and like, listen, I don't think it's a good idea. Maybe you want to look at this route. You know, maybe you want to change it to something a little more easier. I could change it to, you know, instead of Raymond, Ray or something like that. But I took it personal. And she said, listen, you're taking a name personal. What if somebody criticizes your logo? What if someone criticizes your service, your website, you? How are you going to take it? You're going to take everything personal? It's, it don't work that way in business. And that's that was my very first lesson. You cannot take things personal as a business owner. There are people who are not going to like your stuff. And yep. there are people who are going to love your stuff. Which one are you going to focus on? The people who don't mm-hmm. like it, the people who love it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, then, and then I think even the, even the criticism, I think if people pay attention, it's a playbook to lead you to be a better business owner because they literally telling you what's not working or what's not good within your mm-hmm. business. So instead of getting in your feelings, getting emotional, getting upset about it, if you say, all right, let me write down every, every complaint that I've ever get, I've ever gotten, let me write it down. Mm-hmm. Let me reevaluate. Let me see if there's some honesty into this. Now, mm-hmm. Cause nine times out of 10, it probably is. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, remove the emotions um, the emotions and go it's a playbook for you to take that and you could damn near be the best of the best for real because you address yeah. you address how all your issues so it could be mm-hmm. a point where you have necessarily almost no more flaws in your business because you're addressing them all instead of saying oh they hating f y'all and keep it moving because not everybody, everybody not and plus <laughs> yeah. not everybody gonna tell you like when one person might say this is the bad part of your business they might be bold enough to come tell you. I think nine times out of 10, people just don't get any more service from you anymore. They'll never say yeah. nothing. They won't never say, never oh, say that nothing. sucks. They just won't say nothing at all. So mm-hmm. when you get those things from people, when they give you that feedback, it's important you take heed to that and write it down and address it instead of yeah, getting emotional absolutely. about it. 
Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And then with with this particular person, when she told me that, and I, you know, explained it to her after I went back and realized, okay, maybe you know I can change it because you know it is something that's difficult. When we went back to go revisit the idea, we realized that it was really unique because someone was trying to take my name in my state, yeah. and I was like, whoa! So that's when I had to go and trademark it. Uh, but what mm. I did learn is you have to take that criticism because you really just never know. Like you really just never know that person. Then there are people who want to see you fail and won't tell you anything. They're like, I'm just going to watch her fall on her face. That's a fact. And I'd rather That's someone tell me the truth. Like if I'm not good with one person told me that they felt like I rushed through a tax return with them. I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to go back. I went, I got back on the phone with her. I went through everything, the whole thing. And I made sure we didn't get off until she understood exactly what I was talking about. Talking about. Cause the last thing I want for you to do is go back Tell your friends. Yep, yep. She said she's different, but I didn't understand nothing that she was telling me. And she didn't she didn't even get back on the phone with me. She just ignored me. I don't want that. My biggest thing is my reputation is everything. You know, my credibility is everything. And I'm like, if you don't understand something, tell me so we can get on the phone. I don't mind getting on the phone with you. Like if you a little weird sometimes and you calling me back to back, you know, I might block you. But other than that, I don't mind being on the phone with you and explaining something to you until you understand it because your word of telling everybody is going to be everything for me. So I don't want you saying, yeah, she good at what she do, but I don't understand it. They're going to go to somebody who can explain it to them, you know, better. So I learned that from my own business. Like, you know, tell me what I could have did better. You know, I need that instead of you blasting me, you know, tell me what I could have done better. Right. Let's have a conversation because some people feel like they're not heard and they go blasting you. Now you'd be like, oh, this person's a hater. You know, they wrote a nasty review. Did you go back to their email? Did you return their phone calls? Like, you know, look at what you did first before you criticize the client. Now the customer is not always right, but you got to look at what you did wrong as well. You know, is it, is it something that could have been rectified? If not, you did everything you're supposed to do. Okay. But if there's something that you could have did differently, you got to go back and fix that. Mm. And I, I feel like that's a, uh, that's a perfect way to end it. This has been an extremely 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 valuable episode yeah seriously (laughs) seriously and before we wrap up did you have um anything else you want to touch on that when you get a chance to either one of you i'm good yeah i'm I'm great yeah absolutely but but before we let you go no what you say d i was gonna say it was way more than what i expected way more i was was great this 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 the one right here people gonna love this but before we let you go i just want to say first of all we really appreciate you taking time with your busy schedule to come on here and just chop it up with us and give value to our listeners we really really appreciate that and secondly is before we let you go do you mind then plugging all your stuff where people can find you follow you if they want to get a consultation anything everything you could just plug it yeah, absolutely. So if you guys are looking to just speak about your accounting, you know, accounting as well as your tax planning, tax preparation, definitely contact me at vraymentfinancial.com. You can also email us at info at You can DM me on Instagram at Mrs.LaneB. And you can also find me on Twitter at Mrs. Lane B underscore. So that's where I'm at. You know, we're all over social media. I don't mind you jumping in my DM, asking me a quick question. We are going to schedule a call though. So we ain't going to go having a conversation with the DM because uh, usually when it's about finance, it's going to be way more than I can type. So we're going to have right. to get on the phone or, or a Zoom call. Either, either or is fine. Cool. And that's, and I'm going to put the, um, I'm going to put your website in the description. So like you said, if you're interested in, uh, Get in the conversation and talking to her. Just click the link. It'll be in the description of the podcast so you can get started. 
And then wrapping up, for those who don't know, you guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Xavier C. Miller. And D, what's your info? And you can follow me on Twitter at Deanna S. Kent and Instagram Deanna Kent. And that is all we have, you guys, on another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. Thank you all for listening. See you next episode. Peace. Turn me up some. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier, y'all gonna talk about it. No Deanna, speak that shit that everybody vouching. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary. You still believe in limitations, why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper I've been Chase the greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later. In the conversation, we strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments, and sacrificing temporary sh- for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier, y'all gonna talk about it. No, Deanna, speak that shit that everybody vouching. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant.